I want to make sure that they're always going to be taken care of. And if something were to happen to me, you know, I would want them to have the cash flow there from real estate to be able to help them through whatever times, you know, we ha- might have to go through. And the other thing to me is just, you know, I think that what, you know, I've been put on earth here to do, I think is to love God and love others. And the more, you know, ability you have to, you know, share that with people, the more ability that, you know, being an investor gives you to do that and not be so tied up with a full-time job all the time that it enables you to accomplish that goal in ways that you otherwise would not be able to. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host today and every day, Yona Weiss. Great to be here, joined by another wonderful guest. We have on the show today, John Allen. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Yona. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you coming down. It's great to see you and great to have you on the show. Love to get into this. You know, we talk a lot about real estate investing on this show, but really we just talk to people. And I think that's the greatest part about it. At least that's what I've heard from all the listeners out there. And if you're a listener out there and you have a different opinion, please send it to me. I'm open to changing up the whole format of the show. Just let me know, guys. I really want your feedback. But no, the premise is just have conversations with real people who are doing real things in real estate. I didn't mean to make that poetic. It just came out that way. But I think it's awesome that you are in the self-storage space. You've been in that space for quite a while. I'd love for you to give our listeners a little background, a little context, maybe who you are, what you do. How did you get to where you are now? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for asking. So my background is actually public accounting. So if you're not familiar with that, I basically worked for a CPA firm for about 10 years. I started out on the audit side of the business. So I was auditing and I got focused pretty quickly on real estate clients. So I would be going to work with a real estate developer or you know a real estate private equity fund, and we would be auditing their books. I realized pretty quickly that I did not want to be an auditor for the rest of my life. But I also realized pretty quickly that I enjoyed real estate. So when you're working on that side of the business, so for a third-party firm, you don't get to be like really in it. You know what I mean? You're kind of on the outside looking in if what you want to do is be a real estate investor. So what I was doing, I felt like that was still where I needed to be in my career from a learning standpoint and everything. So I decided I would keep doing that, but I sought out mentors in real estate. I had a couple of clients that I really respected as investors, and I basically just told them, hey, I want to learn this business. You know, So I was able to get a pretty good education from some of those investors and developers that I talked with. I did get to a point where I felt like I had learned everything that I could learn in public accounting and staying where I was going to stay just wasn't really going to help me you know, learn the next thing, basically. So I got connected with a family office located here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I'm from. They're an extremely entrepreneurial you know, business. They got started in the tire business, actually. 
And it's sort of, it's what I call the rich dad, poor dad model. And what I mean by that is they, you know, made a good amount of money in, you know, some of their operating businesses and very wisely, they use that to invest in and to develop commercial real estate. So, you know, you run the business and the business buys your real estate. That's where I get the rich dad, poor dad thing from. So I was, they kind of needed two people. They needed a CFO who understood finance and accounting and everything, but also somebody who knew real estate. So it was sort of a perfect fit for me. So I went to work for them. I was their you know, financial guy, but also pretty much directed everything related to real estate. So our acquisitions, our financing, our development, asset management, all of that. And that was incredible education. Got exposed to several different types of asset classes, you know, all the different you know, facets of the real estate business itself, as well as you know, the sort of the patriarch of the family who was kind of running the business, he was very entrepreneurial um, mm-hmm. and very good with the sort of non-financial part of real estate, you know, understanding markets and understanding development. So I learned an incredible amount about the business from him. And I kind of got to the point where a lot of people do about two or three years into that, I said, you know what, this would be really awesome if I could do it for myself. Yeah, <laughs> That's what most yeah. people figure out along the way. Hey, I'm working all <laughs> this for, exactly right. you know, for other people. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly right. So I had had a little bit of exposure to storage. And so I got interested in that. And I started out just looking for my own properties. I figured out pretty quickly that, you know, I was good at the financial side of real estate. I was not good at sourcing deals. I was, you know, getting some that I would look at, but it would take me a long, long time. So I started looking for a partner and I basically on the website Bigger Pockets, I just put out, you know, a message that said, Hey, I'm looking for a self-storage expert in Charlotte, North Carolina. And everybody said, Oh, you need to talk to Chris Bennett. You know, That's he's a so storage cool. expert and he lives in Charlotte. Right. Yeah. So um, and that just yeah, goes to so show fast. you the power of branding because had I seen that post at the time, I also would have commented or tagged Chris Bennett. And maybe I actually even did. Who knows? But, you know, going back to that, it just shows you the power of branding when you, you know, characterize yourself and put yourself out there about storage, about your local market, about whatever it is that you do. Other people will then, you know, comment or other people will try to connect you with that person. So that's pretty, pretty cool. That's right. Yeah, you nailed it. And, you know, I say, look what happened from there, you know, my life's been totally different. Yeah. So fast forward about a year or so, Chris and I, maybe more like six months or so, we got to know each other pretty well, figured out that we had, you know, very similar values, you know, in business and in other areas of life. So we decided to partner up. We got two properties under contract. One of them, the seller breached on it. It was a real mess, learned a lot of lessons, but decided not to, you know, pursue a lawsuit or anything like that. So I always say that was our rookie tax. We lost a little bit of money, but fortunately we were starting small, so we didn't lose a ton of money. The second one that we got under contract was a property in just outside the Charlotte area, still in the Charlotte MSA. And as we were going through due diligence on that and going through our capital raise, we got connected with PassiveInvesting.com. Chris had already known one of the guys who founded the business a few years back. And so they had stayed in touch from time to time. And this, you know, Another lesson I'll say that, you know, we learned in this is just the power of maintaining those relationships. You know, Chris had met Dan Hanford is the guy who one of the original founders and they had stayed in touch and they got to a point where they said, hey, we want to get into storage. We know you guys know storage. Let's be partners here. So we did do that and we closed this first asset with PassiveInvesting.com. 
And so since then we've bought, I believe, eight others, eight other properties, and we have three that we're closing on in the next 30 days here. That's amazing. Uh, so yeah, it's been a lot of fun. That's incredible. And so now is it like it's an official thing that you guys have joined the passiveinvesting.com partnership and you and Chris are running essentially the storage wing of the business. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've joined and we're pretty much siloed to storage. We don't get involved in multifamily or any of the other asset classes, but yeah, we lead the storage team. That's awesome. And it just also shows, you know, the incredible power of, you know, of networking. You know, it's really something that is, that to me is just incredible just because you know someone and, you know, thank God they've been extremely successful. And I've watched Dan and their team grow from, you know, one tiny multifamily property to now, you know, over a billion in acquisitions. And I'm probably even far off, <laughs> you know, from that metric at this point, who knows, but it's incredible because you have value in what you're doing, right. And you show the power of, you know, the integrity and you would never think, oh, maybe I can partner up with, you know, this other huge company that has the capability of raising the capital to find, you know, that and we can come in and bring the deals and it can actually be a, you know, a really good partnership that way. Well, I think it just goes to show you the power of, you know, kind of having that open mind and thinking outside the box. Yeah, you're exactly right. And also the power in finding people who are, you know, mutual interest, mutual alignment, but good at things that you are not. You know, the reason I ended up partnering with Chris, among other things, was that he was good at the things that I am not good at and vice versa. He doesn't like to do the underwriting and the financing and all that. And that's what I love. Um, mm -hmm. And that's sort of what we have with the whole group now. You know, neither he nor I are great at the capital raise side, but that was something that the three founding partners of the company were very, very good at, like right. Jonas said. So it's been a really good you know, match since we partnered up. Very cool. So where do you see this going if you do see it going anywhere? Because obviously storage has picked up tremendously over the past few years, meaning become a much more aggressive, competitive market, competitive asset class. And even though Charlotte is a great metro and is continuously growing, which means there's going to be a continuous, you know, growth of need for storage. Are you guys, what do you, what are you seeing right now in the market for storage? Yeah, it's an interesting time, Yona. You know, the fundamentals of storage are still very strong, you know, is what we've seen. A lot of people are making a lot of the interest rate movement right now, and that is a big deal. But to, if you just kind of strip that away, just look at storage specifically, you know, it doesn't really show any signs of a downturn in storage per se. You know, we've gotten significant, unprecedented rent growth the last, you know, couple of years. And I don't think we're going to see that again, but it doesn't really show any signs of, you know, negative, you know, rents or anything like that. Right. So, you know, I think we're, we're going to keep, you know, we're still acquiring, we're still making offers. I think probably when things settle down, we'd love to do some ground up development. We've got some properties where we are developing, you know, another building or two on a site that we already own, but we'd love to get in the ground up space as well. So I think storage still has a lot of runway left to it. But we, of course, we do have to deal with rising interest rates. So that's been interesting as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime you're dealing with that. Although, I mean, presumably, you know, you could, I don't know, the business model of passinvesting.com, obviously you're bringing on investors, a huge amount of investors. Presumably you could, you know, do all cash deals and, and things like that. Or it may not be, the. Mo I mean, you're the financial <laughs> wizard on the team. It may not be the most financial sense though, in terms of returns. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting when rates are super low, you know, it makes all the sense in the world to, you know, lever up as long as you're being responsible about it. I've never been like a, you know, go do 90% LTV kind of guy. But, you know, as rates creep up, like they're creeping up now, your debt is almost is costing you almost as much as your equity, um, mm-hmm. if not more than your equity. So it is, you really have to, you know, run the numbers and see, you know, kind of where it all shakes out, you know, depending on your cost of debt and equity. Yeah. I mean, what percentage, is it similar? I know you don't get too involved in the multifamily side of the business, but is it a similar, or do you know, in terms of the breakdown, in terms of investors and equity versus you know, versus financing when it comes to the storage properties you do? Yeah. So generally, do you mean like what sort of leverage are we? Yeah. And, you uh, know, in doing? terms of the returns or in terms of the actual breakdown of, yeah, the investor equity versus leverage. Yeah. If it's similar yeah, to multifamily or different. Yeah. It is similar to what we do in multifamily and storage. So, yeah. So we're generally, you know, we'll have a preferred return of 7% usually sometimes higher in other asset classes, but in multifamily and storage, we've been at seven. And we'll usually, I would say on average, we are underwriting 60 to 65 loan to cost on the storage side. Makes sense. That's pretty conservative, I would say, especially when you're talking loan to cost, not just loan to value, right? When you're also factoring in the development costs or like you said, adding on facilities on there. There's a lot to be learned about the self-storage market in general. I mean, being a CPA and having that background, you know, is it something you could ever see yourself going back to in any way? Or you're very happy in the real estate kind of entrepreneur side of things? Yeah, I think getting a taste of what I was so excited to do for so many years, I don't think I could go back. The thing that I have always been thankful for having that as a background is if the world blew up and something happened, you know, people are always going to need somebody to do their tax return. So it is something that I have to fall back on if I needed to, but right. I don't know that I could. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear that. It's something that you want to make sure that you have something to fall back onto. But once you find get the entrepreneur uh, kind of itch and you go into real estate investing, I, I see very few people going back on that. So that's that's pretty cool. Has anyone in your family or or any like friends come along come along the way and, and join them? like wow hey what are you doing cuz you know when you're an accountant I'm sure you have family members or friends who are like oh you're an accountant I'd love for you to you know check out my taxes or, or do my taxes and things like that but when you're a real estate investor and you have opportunities to share with other people and help them to you know grow their wealth is that something you found in terms of you know being able to do that yeah. So actually one of my, you know, I would say was a mentor or is a mentor is my father-in-law has been in the real estate business for many years. Similar to me, he's a CFO and kind of ran the portfolio, does run the portfolio for primarily medical office investor. Mm. So, you know, when he and I, I mean, we sit around the Thanksgiving dinner table and talk about real estate when everybody else gets very bored with it, I'm sure. So it is nice to have, you know, some family that can really share that interest and and everything. That's amazing. A lot of people that I speak with, you know, we get into the conversations and I want to get to know a little more about what's their why, you know, what's driving them if there is something that is really kind of pushing them and allowing them to, you know, grow in the space that they're in. Is there is there something you have any kind of driving goals or driving whys that kind of pushing you? 
Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a couple of things, you know, I've, I think my family is one. I know my family is one. So I have a wife and I have, I'm actually an all girl dad. I have four girls ages 11 and under. So that's been a lot of fun, but obviously a lot of it is to take care of the family that, you know, God has given me. I want to make sure that they're always going to be taken care of. And if something were to happen to me, you know, I would want them to have the cash flow there from real estate to be able to help them through whatever times, you know, we ha- might have to go through. And the other thing to me is just, you know, I think that what, you know, I've been put on earth here to do, I think is to love God and love others. And the more, you know, ability you have to, you know, share that with people, the more ability that, you know, being an investor gives you to do that and not be so tied up with a full-time job all the time that it enables you to accomplish that goal in ways that you otherwise would not be able to. 100%. I can totally relate with that personally because, you know, I'm a very religious person, a very kind of God-centered person. It may not come across all the time to, uh, you know, in every conversation, but being able to take time off and spend time on a daily basis focused on you know more spiritual things focused on more you know lofty goals and then bring that into the everyday bring that into the business and through the family i think that's you have to have that in your life i think i don't not everyone may agree with that but when you do have something like that it really can you know just help push you through even in, in rough times and just really give you the you know the guidance to live life to its fullest yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, one of the ways that I've seen that actually realized is I've gotten pretty involved in my church and everything. I'm mm-hmm. I'm serving there in a number of different areas, and there's a couple of things that we've got going on right now within our ministry that I've actually been able to contribute a lot to. It's been a lot of work, but I've been able to contribute partially because I have the flexibility that I have. You know, working right. from home and having you know, being in this sort of a business, I'm able to be a lot more, I'm able to participate a lot more and contribute a lot more. Right. So yeah, it's a big priority to me. Yeah. It's like a lot of people have these lofty goals. You know, I want to give back. I want to be able to do this for charity, do this for my community. But when we're so caught up in our lives and our business or our jobs, we may not have the opportunity. I think real estate is one of those areas and business in general, if you can run a good successful business that runs on its own, but real estate allows you to have a lot of that free time or more focused business time. So you can free up more of your time to focus on those more important things. I've definitely yeah. found that. And you know, hopefully you just will continue to do that as time goes on. Yep. Yeah. You nailed it. Wow. I mean, this has been awesome. Do the other guys, I mean, I know all the other guys pretty much at Pass Investing. Well, I mean, at least the founders. I don't know all the employees. I tried to meet everyone at the MFIN that was, you know, last month, but it's just crazy how incredibly fast the company has grown. I mean, what do you what do you think the, you know, is the reason for that? Like what's behind such phenomenal astronomic growth in such a short period of time? Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good question. I think it's two things. I think number one is sort of an obvious one. It's a lot of hard work. You know, it definitely hasn't come from just sitting around and letting, you know, business success just come to you. Been a lot of hard work, but also we're very big on systems. And in particular right now where the deal flow, you know, our, our storage deal flow is pretty good, but it's starting to slow down here and there and in different, in different other asset classes. Now is the time to be working on your infrastructure. You know, so that's something that, you know, even prior to Chris and I joining the company, that's something that the three founders were very, very good at. 
was building that out and building systems. And it just enables you to scale so much more quickly than if you're, you know, trying to do everything yourself or, you know, you don't have things systematized. It just slows you down. Yeah, for sure. I got to get better at that personally. There's a lot of things that I could be doing a lot better and, you know, trying to grow different aspects of the business and creating systems is exactly like what I'm focusing on right now. In fact, I had had two calls in the last two days with some mentors and you know people specifically around this subject matter. So going forward, that's going to be a lot what I'm focusing on, which will hopefully allow things to grow faster. Yep, that's right. Well, John, the time has come because time flies on the Weiss Advice Podcast. And I would love to ask you the final four. These are four questions I ask all my guests. Are you ready? I guess so. Well, whether you're ready or not, here they come. (laughs) First question to you, what is the worst job that you ever had? Yeah. So the worst job I ever had is I used to work for a framer building houses. Mm. And construction, I actually enjoyed that. So this is when I was in college. I enjoy construction, but this particular gentleman that I worked for was not the most kind person that you've ever worked for in your life. I was one time we were working on the roof of a house and I was carrying this, you know, really long two by 10 board. I had not been doing it for that long. So I was a little, you know, nervous as I'm, you know, walking across these, you know, planks and everything. And I was very close to the edge of this pretty tall house. And he said, if you, while I was walking there, he said, if you fall, you're fired before you hit the ground. And I was like, man, that's a lot of pressure there. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. He's not a nice guy. So I didn't do that for longer than a summer. Yeah. You should probably tell him there there are like laws (laughs) about those kind of contingencies. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Oh my goodness. Wow. I can't imagine. That does not sound like any place or any one that I would ever want to work for. So yeah, it was not the best, but you learn, you learn from those type of environments, what not to do, how, who not to work for. Okay. Second question. (laughs) What, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah. You know, I'm sure you get this a lot, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad, for me, the first time I actually read it, as interested as I was in real estate, I didn't read the book until I was working for that family office that I was referring to. And that's sort of what kind of gave me the, why am I not doing this for myself? I had a two hour round trip commute at the time. And I had this thought, I was like, you know what, I'm spending two hours a day in my car, you know, building someone else's business, you know, and that was on that commute is when I audio booked Rich Dad right. Poor Dad. So. Makes sense. And I'm sure that was at the moment. Wow. A two hour commute. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Well, you're saying each, not each way, not two hours each way, two hours round trip. Correct. Round trip. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's yeah. a little better, but still, I mean, that's pretty crazy. I know there's a lot of people out there doing that. At least utilize the time you're spending listening to audiobooks yes. or listening to a podcast like this. I'm sure there are many people who are in the car right now on the way to or from work. And hopefully this is going to make a big difference to you in your life. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we do this. So that's a big game changer. has been for a lot of people. And I'm glad you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We're going to move to the third question, which is what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? I would like to learn how to play golf. It's a regret in my career that I never really learned how to early on. And I get asked to play so much. I'm just not very good at all. So well, I'd love to... Yeah, there's a lot of great courses out out by where you are. A lot of uh, yep, there well, go, are. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I would say you know just do it. Figure out a way. Find a coach. Get out there on the green and just get what on the driving do. range. Yeah. Just get it done. 
It's good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I actually believe it or not, and this is a funny uh, thing. I actually had a post on LinkedIn recently about this. I played on my high school golf team. Okay. And this was not by choice. It was actually a funny story that I broke my leg. I was very athletic, played on the soccer, high school soccer team, broke my leg in a game. And so I was out of commission, but I still needed after I got, you know, a little better, not better enough that I could play. I still needed that, you know, physical education credit. I needed some sort of course. And so the golf team was the best option. I ended up playing and then I hadn't picked up clubs or anything like that for literally over 20 years since, you know, and then just a few weeks ago, someone was like, Hey, you want to come play golf? I'm like, okay, I haven't touched anything in years. I don't even remember how to do it. It's not like riding a bike that you would think it is right. It is definitely not like riding a bike. It was horrible. It was a horrible experience. <laughs> yeah. It seems to me like you just have to, you just have to play to be good. You yeah, know, exactly. If you don't, yeah, because if I go, I normally go a year, two, or three, you know, between times of playing, and yeah, I just think you just have to play to to get better. Exactly. Yeah, it's one of those things, you know. If you want to do it, go for it, and you'll get better as you go. Anyways, fourth and final question, John: What does success mean to you? Yeah, I think I guess along the lines of what I said before, it's the ability to do what you've been put on this earth to do. You know, I I mean, I think a lot of times we look at success as, you know, the ability to have the amount of time that you want, time freedom, or we look at it financially, financial freedom. And I guess it's sort of those two things kind of combined is just the ability to do what you were put here to do. To me, when you're able to do that effectively, that's success. That's an awesome definition. I love that. Well, John, it's been a true pleasure spending the time with you this afternoon. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You can also reach out to me on my email, which is john, J-O-N, at passiveinvesting.com. Yeah, I would love to connect. And thanks for having me, Yona. I've, I've enjoyed this. It's my pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. And I hope our listeners got a lot of benefit out of this, learned a little a thing or two about self-storage and about you. And you know that's really what it's all about. So to our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in all the way till the end again. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.